Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome an incredible sports person from the US, Ruben Gonzalez. Ruben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on your show. I am excited to speak to the people of India. Thank you. Why would anybody in his right mind want to jump on a sled and hurl himself down an icy mountain at over 80 miles per hour? At the age of 21, our guest today, Ruben Gonzalez, took up the sport of Luke and started training for the Olympics. Four years and a few broken bones later, Ruben made his Olympic dream come true. But he didn't stop there. Ruben kept training. And at the age of 47, he was racing against 20-year-olds at the Vancouver Winter Olympics. Ruben is the first person to ever compete in four Winter Olympics in four different decades. And he's now preparing to go for the fifth Winter Olympics in Beijing. Ruben, I'm so privileged that you agreed to speak to us. So let's speak, oh, no. let's speak about your journey. For a lot of our viewers and listeners, particularly those in India, they're not very familiar with Winter Olympics. So tell me, what is Luge and how did you get interested in the sport? Sure. Luge is a French word that means sled, mm -hmm. right? I think in, you guys might say it's sledge, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, We lay down on our backs on a little bitty sled that's about, uh, oh gosh, about a meter and a half long. Mm -hmm. We're going down this uh, chute of ice at 80, 90 miles an hour. And it's time to the one one thousandth of a second who has the best time wins. Uh, you take four runs in the Olympics mm -hmm. and we have the best schedule. There's the opening ceremonies. We race the next two days and then we're done. The rest of the time we're watching everybody else compete. But uh, it's uh, you add the four runs. So you have to be consistently good. We uh, you know, we we work very hard. Everything counts. Even your breathing counts because, uh, you know, if you hold your breath, that will slow you down. And so we become very, um, uh, OCD about things <laughs> because everything counts, right. but I've been doing it. I started when I was 21. I've been doing it on and off for over 30 years. And I've been, uh, you know, I got to go to four Olympics. I mean, I, I just can't. So, uh, I was getting the pronunciation wrong. It's luge. Uh, you what lie on your back with your feet first and then go down yes and so at, up at the start we're sitting on the sled mm -hmm. there's two handles that are part of the track we hold on and we pull ourselves forward in the same motion like a deadlift you know a weightlifter yeah. does a uh -huh. deadlift straight up yeah mm -hmm. but we're doing it horizontally and then we have spikes on our fingertips we paddle fast on the ice to build up speed mm -hmm. then you lay down and then from that point on it's who drives the best lines and yes. keeping aerodynamic position. 140 kilometers per hour sometimes. Amazing. So, you know, as a five-time Olympian, what are the Olympics really about? You know, when I first saw the Olympics, I was 10 years old mm -hmm. and, and I was drawn to the Olympic athletes. And what drew me to them wasn't their athleticism. It was their spirit, their heart. Because I realized, wow, this is a group of people that have a dream. They're willing to train for years and years and years with no guarantees of success. Mm -hmm. And then finally, some of them make it. I thought they, you have to be so strong to put yourself through that. And they became my heroes. And I put them up on a pedestal. And I just wanted to be like them. 
for me, it was never about the medal. I just wanted to be one of those guys. I wanted to be in that club, right? And, um, and for the longest time, I didn't believe it was possible because I'm not a great athlete. I'm a slowpoke, okay? I was always the last kid that they picked for sports in, in school. Right. So I didn't believe and I didn't do anything. And then and when I was 21, I was inspired and I got going. But the, the, uh, to, that was, that, that's, the, uh, that's a preview to the mm -hmm. answer. Now it comes the real answer. Mm -hmm. The Olympics are a place that showcases to the world the power of the human spirit. Mm. You know, it's um, uh, it, it just inspires people to let them realize, hey, you know, if they can do that, maybe I can go after my dream, too. Mm. And so it's about inspiring people to make their dreams come true. Amazing. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about your hurtling down at, you know, 80, 90 miles per hour, which is maybe 150, 160 kilometers per hour. What does it feel like to go down at that speed? <laughs> It is not fun, okay? Everybody, I tell them, I tell people I do the luge and the first thing out of their mouth, oh, that looks like fun. That looks like a water slide. Right. No, it's a, no, it's a water slide on steroids, okay? You're going so fast. Right. You know, you're, you start. Well, you're up at the start. You're waiting for your turn, right? Your hands get sweaty. Your mouth gets dry. The hair starts standing in the back of your neck because mm. you know what can happen down there. Broken bones, concussions, dislocations, and worse. And co coach gives you a little pat in the back, moves to the side, you start. And in no time, you're doing 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. As the speed increases, so does the fear. World's just doing this. You're, you're focused on a spot about 30 feet in front of you, just flying down that track. And um, you get to the bottom and you want to quit. At least I did. Because I, I started so late. I started at 21. Most luge athletes start when they're 8, 9, 10 years old. And they start from a lower start and they work them up slowly over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Me, they crammed it all into two years so that I could, you know, have a chance to compete. And Amazing. so it took me a long time to get over the fear. I finally over the fear, though. Amazing. Well, good luck for your uh, fifth Olympics coming up in Beijing. But tell me, you know, when I was reading about you, how did an 8 by 10 picture help you focus on your Olympic dream? When I was 21. I was watching the Olympics on TV again. This is 11 years after I, I first saw them. Mm -hmm. And I saw this little guy that was a figure skater for the U.S. that had won the world. He, he won the, the, the gold medal. And he mm -hmm. gave me hope, right? I thought if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'll be in the next ones, right? Now I believe for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I need to find a sport that fits me right? That fits my strength. My strength was tenacity, perseverance. My nickname was Bulldog. Mm -hmm. So I thought I need to find a sport with a lot of broken bones, maybe be a lot of quitters and I won't quit and I will rise to the top through the attrition rate, right? So I tell people, you know, you have to know thyself, right? Like Socrates say, said, yeah. And, and then run with your strengths, right? Go with your strength. And so I picked the luge for that reason, because I thought that looks like a tough one. I didn't even know where the track was. I lived in Houston, Texas. It's hot, humid, and flat <laughs> over there, okay? I mean, it's, uh, and so I didn't know where the track was. So I wrote a letter to Sports Illustrated. That's, that's mm -hmm. our biggest sports magazine. Mm -hmm. And I asked them, where do you go learn how to luge? And they wrote back. They said Lake Placid, New York. That's where they had the Olympics before. Mm -hmm. And they sent me this picture of a guy on a luge. And as soon as, as soon as I got the picture, it went on the wall. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's over on my wall over there and uh, in my office. In fact, let me show you. I'm going to show you, okay? 
Let's see. See over there, wow. right under the Olympic yes. rings. It's yes. way back I there. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So I can see it, right? And so, as soon as I got the picture, it went right in front of my bed in my bedroom. First person I saw in the morning was the luge man. He reminded me, "Hey, I'm going for the Olympics. I have to eat right, exercise, read good books, right? Because mental toughness is important." Hang around winners of who you associate with, right? You become like the people you associate with. At night, before I shut off the lights, the last person I saw was the luge man. And wow. what do you think I dreamt about at night? Luge. He kept me going. That yeah. was my goal setting system. Yeah. And I tell people, keep, you know, do that because mm. teenagers do it, right? Teenagers have their walls filled with their dreams. Mm. And then when they grow up, they start pulling them out. And every time you pull one out, from the wall, it rips a little hole in your heart. Right. I say, put them back up. That way it'll keep you focused. Otherwise, you forget. Hmm. Well said. And, uh, you know, Olympics obviously needs an incredible amount of preparation and a tremendous amount of mental strength. How do you prepare yourself mentally, uh, you know, before you start uh, a run? Up at the start, and this is the same, uh, a luge run mm -hmm. is a performance, mm -hmm. okay? A performance is something that gets you closer to your goal, okay? okay. A sales call is a performance, right? Mm -hmm. A follow-up call is a performance. What we're doing now, right? Whether I'm up on stage or, or, or speaking for you like this electronically, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's a performance, right? And so how do you improve a performance? It could be a cricket shot, right? Or a tennis shot, like BJ Armitrage tennis mm -hmm. shot, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to trust your training. That's the first thing. You mm -hmm. trust your training. You have to get to the point where you trained hard enough mm -hmm. that you know you have what it takes. And I sometimes say to myself, I just did a TED talk, right? A couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And and I was getting a little nervous because mm. I, it was my first one and they're mm. filming it. And even though I've been speaking professionally for 20 years, I wasn't mm. nervous that I wasn't going to be good. Mm. I was nervous that I would forget my lines because mm. they had to be memorized. Mm -hmm. And that's against the way I speak. I speak from the heart. I don't speak from a memorization. And mm. so, and 20 minutes before, I just finally said, hey, trust, trust. And I just started telling myself the things I tell myself up at the start. Mm -hmm. Trust. I trust my training. I did it. Okay. I'm just going to let go. I'm just going to let my subconscious take over. And that's what you do. And that flips the switch from conscious to subconscious. And now you have a better chance of getting into the zone because mm. if you're analyzing while you're trying to perform, you're not going to be good. Mm. Make sense. Absolutely. Then at the bottom, at Absolutely. the bottom of the track, first thing we do, we pick up the walkie talkie. We mm. talk to coach because there's coaches up and down the track. Mm. And now coach tells me what I did wrong, what I did right. Ruben, you must point your, he's Austrian. He has this thick accent. Ruben, you must point your toes more. Put your head further back. Ruben, you were so late on curve six. You must steer harder, harder on curve six. And Ruben, relax. Be one with the sled. Have fun. Amazing. Okay, so anyway. You so know, just, just listening to you is so mesmerizing for me. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. You know, when I walk up the stage, they just introduced me. I'm walking up the stage. There might be 10,000 people in the audience. Mm -hmm. You know what I say to myself? My flip there, my switch. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun, right? Because if you have fun, you're not tight. If you're having fun, you're relaxed, right? If they have fun, that's, you know, or not, that's their problem. But I'm going to have fun, okay? Yes. <laughs> and so that allows Good you to be you, be your best you, yeah? And so, um, so and then afterwards, you're, there's going to be three options, okay? Mm -hmm. the, the performance was great. 
it was good or it needs work. Okay. Mm. And so that's why you need coach, right? If it needs work, you know, they can tell you, okay, this is what you need to do better for next time. Right. And, and right. it's constant improvement. Absolutely. So moving on, uh, how do you embrace change in the luge and in your business? Luge is a little bit like um, Formula One racing, right? It's, it's a race. It's a car race, basically, right? We just have a very lousy car. <laughs> so, but it's who has the best lines and who has mm. best aerodynamics and who can do it consistently. Mm. It's not a very athletic sport, like throwing the javelin, right? Like you're, you're a champion from Sharma. Wow, I love that story. It's right. not athletic like that. It's athletic at the beginning, but most of the times, who's got the mental toughness, mm. right? So what was your question again? Oh, change, yes. So changing conditions. You know, in car racing, if it starts raining, you have to put on rain tires, right? Well, if the weather changes, if it gets colder, warmer, we have to do things to our steels to, to adjust. Mm -hmm. Whenever there is change, whoever adjusts first wins, mm -hmm. okay? And so change is an opportunity to beat your competition if you're able to adjust faster, okay? For me, the easiest way to see it is watching a tennis match, mm -hmm. okay? Nadal is playing Djokovic, for example. Nadal mm. wins the first set. Mm. Djokovic makes an adjustment, right? And now Djokovic wins the second set. Nadal, mm. you know, makes an adjustment. And it always goes back and forth. It's hardly ever straight sets when you're up at the top, right? And so whoever adjusts first wins. And so you have to start seeing uh, change as an opportunity to pass your competition. Rather than feel sorry for it, be glad. Give thanks, right? And then quickly make it... When COVID hit, I remember it was mid mid March mm -hmm. last year. Oh boy, the phone started ringing. That phone call we just got before we got started—that was mm -hmm. a, that was a bureau that wants to book me to speak next month, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the phone started ringing. They were canceling all their meetings, right? Because mm -hmm. because everything was shut down. And I told my wife, "Don't buy anything. I have mm -hmm. to figure this out." <laughs> and so. I, I called a couple of my buddies that are speakers and I told mm -hmm. them, we have to figure out virtual quickly, okay? Let's mm -hmm. make every mistake we can as quickly as we can and let's touch, back, touch base with each other. So we figure out that whoever makes mistakes faster figures out the 20% of the stuff that does work. Mm -hmm. And we figured it out after a couple of weeks, you know, got the lighting right, the background, everything. Yeah. And so uh, be willing to make mistakes, right? Fantastic. Be willing to, yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, Ruben, moving on, uh, again, when I was reading about you, the German Luge team taught you about commitment. Tell yes. me uh, about that story. The Germans dominate the sport, okay? They're like the Indians in cricket, okay? Mm -hmm. Just imagine that. They have won 80% of the medals in the last 50 years, right? Wow. They have four tracks in a country the size of Texas. Mm -hmm. When I got started in the Luge, the old, there was one track in North America, Lake Placid. Mm -hmm. That was it. And so they decided, you know, at some point they decided we're going to, we're going to invest into this sport long term mm -hmm. so that we can produce champions. We're going to win. Success is a decision. Okay. Sooner or later, you decide you're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Right. Mm -hmm. And you start doing what the competition is not willing to do. And Correct. so... So they made that decision hmm. and I competed in the, in the Calgary games was my first one, 1988 yeah. Calgary, hmm. Canada. <clears throat> the Germans wouldn't give me the, the, the time of day. I mean, they, they, um, 
they wouldn't even say hello to me. I might see a few of them. They're working on a sled. And I say, hey, Hans, how are you doing? Nothing. Mm -hmm. It's like I was invisible, right? Mm -hmm. And that made me feel like an ant, like I didn't belong, right? Mm -hmm. And then two years after my first Olympics, it was like a memo went out, okay? All of a sudden, all the Germans got nice the same day, right? One of them sees me, hey, Gonzalez, Shabidi uh, Gonzalez, hey, how are you? <laughs> okay. And I got mad. I said, what's up with you guys? You know, I've been nice to you for years, and now I'm Speedy Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. And he said, come, let's talk to you. And we sat down at this big table, the whole co the coaches, the whole team. And they said, we are the best in the world. Some of us started when we were five years old, okay? Mm. Uh, we were the best in our town, the best in our region. Finally, we made the national team. Then we made the Olympic team. Only three get to do it. But mm. there's so many great losers in, in our country. We'll mm. be lucky to make two Olympics. Right. And we're sick and tired of seeing people of other countries. They do one Olympics, they disappear. Mm. You know what we call them? I said, no, what? Olympic tourists, always with their camera. But you are trying to make Albertville. It's two years after your first Olympics. You're trying to make the second one, right? So whether you make it or not doesn't matter to me. Mm. It matter to us. What matters to us is you are showing respect to the sport. So now you have earned our respect. That's mm. called commitment, right? We, yeah. So it's about commitment, Wonderful. about being willing to, you know, to you have such amazing, life. you have such amazing stories, Ruben. I have time for two or three more questions for you. And I want to talk about your book as well. Uh, you also, again, you mentioned that a boxer taught you positive self. -talk. I love the questions you're asking. You did some research. Oh. <laughs> Tell me about what the boxer taught you. <laughs> this is before my first Olympics. Okay? okay. I'm just learning how to lose. I'm in a little bitty gym in in uh, in Houston, mm -hmm. and in walks Evander Holyfield. Okay, he had just won the world championship and boxing championship, and he was in all the covers. He was a famous mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. And Lou Duva, who was his manager, came to Houston with his whole team. So it was about mm -hmm. ten of them. Mm -hmm. Evander walks into our gym, and all of us, including me, started whispering real loud. Mm -hmm. That's Evander Holyfield. What's he doing here? Mm -hmm. Nobody had the guts to go say hello, mm -hmm. but the littlest one, he did. Littlest boxer, he didn't mm. look so intimidating, right? So I thought, I can talk to that one. <laughs> so the little guy gets on a stationary bike and he's warming mm. up. I went right next to him and I started warming up. Mm. I knew he was a boxer, but I had to start a conversation. I asked him, what do you do? What's your sport? He says, I box. What do you do? I said, I'm a loser. And he went crazy. He goes, a loser? Don't you call yourself a loser? You're a winner. You're a winner. Just like that. Okay. Everybody got off their machines and wanted to see who the loser was, right? Uh. I was so embarrassed, I almost walked out to join a different <laughs> club, right? <laughs> and I asked him. What a great story. Oh. Well, it turns out this guy was world champion too, but in the small weight, right? If I'd have known, mm. you know, uh, if I'd known he was a champ, I wouldn't have mm. talked to him either. I would have been intimidated, right? Mm. But but when you don't, sometimes not knowing is a good thing. But okay. he told me, be careful what you say to yourself, mm -hmm. because that's how you program your brain, right? Mm -hmm. What you say determines what you do, what you, what you think, what you think determines what you do, what you do uh, the, determines your results, right? But, and what you do consistently determines your whole future. But it all starts with a self-talk, right? Always talk about you, what you want. Successful mm -hmm. people think about and talk about what they want. Mm -hmm. unsuccessful people think about and talk about what they don't want right and they and it's and whatever you talk about and think about that's where you're going so mm -hmm. just focus on what you want terrific terrific so my next question to you ruben is a, is what i would call a little philosophical how does having a 
higher purpose help us to take action? When I was in, well, right now, let me tell you what I'm trying to do right now. Mm -hmm. I am trying to get a visa to get into China so that I can start training. Uh, we do an official training first couple of months of first couple of weeks in November, mm -hmm. and then a world and then uh, World Cup races all over Europe, seven races, mm -hmm. uh, and be, that and the last race is the first week of January. Okay? Mm -hmm. After those races, they tally up all the points. Top thirty-five men get to go to the Beijing Olympics. Number mm -hmm. thirty-six watches it on TV. Okay. okay, this is a lot of money. Okay, I had to raise a ton of money because I don't have sponsors. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I I had to raise a ton of money to make it. Now mm -hmm. I'm still a, a visa away from even being able to go play to, mm -hmm. to even go try to do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can be doing other things. I'm 59. Okay, all my friends have fancy cars, and I'm you know I save everything so I can go. But my my higher purpose. Mm -hmm. Is to if I become if I get to be one of those thirty five men, mm -hmm. I will be the oldest Winter Olympic athlete in history. Okay, wow. mm -hmm. uh, the the oldest right now is a Swedish curler from the nineteen twenty four Olympics. I mean, this record is almost a hundred years old. Wow. And so my higher purpose is not, ooh, look, Ruben is five time Olympian. No, the higher purpose is let's inspire people of all ages. Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter how old you are, how young, how old you are you can still pursue your dream. You mm. dedicate your life to your dream. Fascinating. That's what's given me the strength to put up with all these bureaucrats that don't want to give me a visa. Does that Fascinating. Sense? Fascinating. Yeah. I met a lady at the Salt Lake City Olympics. She was a bobsledder from mm -hmm. Hungary. A month, a year and a half before the Olympics, she gets cancer, breast cancer, has mm. to get double mastectomy. Mm. She's in the hospital and she's done. Mm. And her teammate gave her... it. Uh, showed her this book about this guy who had overcome cancer and won the Tour de France. Mm. And she got inspired, right? And she said, I won't do it for me. I will, I will do it for cancer survivors to mm. teach them that cancer will knock yes. you down mm. and it doesn't have to knock you out, right? And she, so she had a higher purpose that inspired her to do superhuman things, mm. right? Because of the, so I tell Fantastic. people, what's your why? What is your why? Why do you want to do it? And okay. that first answer, that's not the real answer. Amazing. You keep deeper, Amazing. deeper, deeper about the fifth answer. Now you're getting close, right? <laughs> well, well said. So, Ruben, I've got time for only one more question. And uh, I've got to ask you about your book, The Courage to Succeed. What are the two types of courage you need to develop to succeed in life? You have to have two types of courage. The courage to get started, right? And it's scary to get started, okay? <laughs> but you have to have the courage to get started. And everything's hard at the beginning, right? So you have to, because you have no skills. Mm -hmm. So once you get started, you have to have the courage to not quit, the courage to endure, the courage to stay in the game long enough to learn those skills, and then you use the skills to reach the goal, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the courage to get started comes from believing it's possible. If you mm -hmm. believe it's possible, hey, I'll give it a try, mm -hmm. right? The courage to not quit. That comes from your desire. Right. If you want something badly enough, mm. nothing will make you quit. Well, if you think about it, when I was a kid, I had the desire. I wanted to be an Olympian, but I didn't believe it was possible. So I didn't do anything. When I was 21, I see the skater. He inspires me. Now I believe. Now I'm ready to take action. And the rest is history. Right? How wonderful. How wonderful. And let me show you one more thing. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. I tell people, because if you tell someone, believe in yourself, right? A little kid or a friend or something, that's worthless. Mm. Okay. It doesn't, it sounds good. It's nice, mm. but it doesn't help because mm. you didn't show them how to believe in yourself. Okay. Mm. The way to increase your self-belief is two ways. The books you read, the people you associate with. You associate with winners, people that are already doing what you want to do. You pick up their habits and then you become every day, you grow from the inside out to the person that can make the dream come true, mm. right? But that takes time. Look, I want to show you something. This mm. is just a little bit of the books that I have, okay? We have baskets with books all over the house. Mm. I mean, uh, a book has to be really good to earn a spot here because there's not much room left, right? Yep. Mm. But I'm constantly, constantly refining and working and trying to be the best that I can be. And mm-hmm. that's how you, you hang around winners, you read the good books, you give time, time to do its job, and poof, you start believing in yourself, you start taking bigger risks, and mm-hmm. life gets really exciting. Phenomenal. Ruben, we have to end now. Uh, and I mean, I could keep talking to you. You're such an amazing <laughs> uh, speaker. Thank you so much. You've introduced me to the world of luge. I had no idea it is such a challenging sport. I wish you and I will pray for you that you get to your fifth Olympics in Beijing. Do send me a message and we'll tell everybody who's watching this show to root for you when you are there as one of the 35 hurtling down at these crazy speeds. But good luck to you and God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for those prayers. I need all the prayer I can get. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.